0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next level. I'm JVL. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, If you're new here, go ahead and subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button and come over to the bulwark.com and sign up for all the awesome stuff we do every day. We give away free podcasts and newsletters and we publish stories on the website without annoying ads in them. Uh, you should go and get in with The Bulwark. Come get Charlie Sykes' newsletter every morning and my newsletter in the afternoon, sometimes, unless you decide to pony up and be a paying customer, and read all the great stories that Tim writes, my best friend Tim Miller right here, and uh, and the amazing stories that Sarah Longwell writes, but you'll have to go to The Atlantic for those. So (laughs) go to theatlantic.com for Sarah's stories and come to thebulwark.com for my stories and thebulwark.com and sometimes thenewyorktimes.com
1: for Tim's stories. Thank you, guys. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. This is so nice.
2: I've literally have a piece sitting uh, in his inbox.
0: <laughs> That's I kid because I love. All right, uh, so listen, I want to talk uh, very quickly. We don't have to spend a ton of time about it. About Tommy Tuberville, who mm. at a rally in the great state of Nevada, 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 Tuberville, uh, Tuberville, Tuberville. Came out. For and, on that, I mean, <laughs> basically, the only thing missing was the N-word. Like, this is not, as uh, as our our colleague Ted Johnson, who's going to write a piece about this, said like this wasn't a dog whistle. It was basically a rebel yell. And talked about how, you know, the Democrats aren't soft on crime. They're pro-crime because they want those people that they think are owed reparations to come and take your things from you. And uh the thing that brought me up short about this was the crowd reaction because Woo! the pop, the pop that he got off of this was, as as I said in my newsletter, is as if Skinner had come out on stage and said, "We're doing Free Bird, we're doing Free Bird," and uh, the people went crazy for it. I think mm. if this had happened at the American Enterprise Institute, if the senator, the 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 junior senator from the state of Alabama, had said something like that at AEI. They might have sort of looked down or looked away or pretended, <laughs> you know, they had missed that thing. But over the, the great people who show up at political rallies in Nevada, Nevada, they went crazy. It was this huge applause line. Sarah, tell me about this. What, is, uh, what, what does this make you feel like?
2: Uh, here's my question. Was it a lake rally or a master's rally?
0: was in Nevada. So it was a Laxalt, I believe.
2: Oh, sorry. Sorry. Was it Laxalt or Lombardo? Yeah, sorry. Wrong state.
0: I I, I don't know that. I just saw the Save America thing and I believe it was a Laxalt rally, but I I could be wrong. Sebastian, you can fact check me if uh, if you have the Google machine open.
2: Oh, I was just checking to see who it was that didn't put out a statement saying that they disavowed the remarks from their colleague who was rallying for them. Yeah, I mean, I actually am pretty surprised. Like that, it's like very blatant. I'm surprised. I, I know what you guys are going to say. You're going to mock me if I say I'm surprised that like nobody said anything because, of course, nobody says anything about Walker. Like nobody said anything about anything. But he said those people they that that want rep, that they think we should give reparations to are the ones committing all the crime. I think we cracked his code, right? Like I think it's clear who black i people. think yeah you know, i, I it just i'm pretty
1: sure it's black people
2: there's <laughs> no thinly veiled um so i don't know i, I mean i, I guess I, I don't know trump said mexicans are rapists and thieves and said muslims couldn't come into the country so like i guess this is where we are now and this is this is like no and no republicans are going to say anything about it what should we what what do you want me to say tim
1: well, this is where we are now. Is what, right? yeah, I mean, this is, this is absolutely where we are now. Um, I, you would think I, I, it does make me feel bad uh, before I get into the mocking side of it for, like, all of his players. You remember Tommy Tuberville was a, was a football coach.
2: I thought that, too. Like, he must. This is a guy who knows a lot of black people, right? Did he
1: coach any African-American kids? And thinking about it, speaking of thieves, uh, all of the players that worked for him got paid nothing actually speaking of mm. reparations and thieves while well, he made multi multi millions of dollars as a head football coach as part of the NCAA cartel so I'm sure he cared about their education yeah very deeply Yeah, I cared very deeply about their you know making sure they were educated I'm sure you know helped them get jobs fucking bullshit so uh yeah I mean there definitely was a thief and thief in that situation I I don't um I the the crowd reaction though JV you know, I think is is really where you where you hit on it and and that comes back to this element of the bottom up and what is Wanted, right, and why Trump rose to the top originally, and what the appeal was. Like, you know, it was a very Trumpian kind of line, right? Where it's while while it is a rebel yell, there was it's like just enough. To, you know for him to be like oh i wasn't what do you mean it's only the liberal liberal media that says it was about black people right i mean he didn't actually say the n-word he didn't actually was it say that right and so this was trump's game right it was the same game that trump always used to play it was very obvious to anybody who was paying attention it's obvious to the crowd but then you get called out on it and it's like well i don't you know i don't know but but this has so i was in arizona last week uh, which maybe we get this mixed up uh sarah um it, it, that by the way that was a rally for both laxalt and lombardo lombardo is one of the good republicans well
2: that's um, that's what i was gonna ask that's why i asked because lombardo is supposed to be mr Normy.
1: yeah um the uh but i was in arizona and um at this uh, at this lake masters event and and it's similar right like the crowd reactions are very telling you know what what the folks there want and and like the biggest re- yeah scream at the event that i was at was when carrie lake said that, uh, that we got to put that old bat mitch mcconnell out to pasture they were not, which I wrote about night like,
2: mixed metaphor,
1: <laughs> I don't know, maybe she didn't say pastor. She did say old bat, <laughs> uh, we gotta get rid of that old bat Mitch McConnell, um and uh but, uh, forgive me,
0: she's running for which
1: office Governor, um Governor,
0: yeah, oh. You oh, know, governor. Very, was, and so the governor of Arizona has some power over what the Senate minority or majority leader. Okay. Well, she, okay. she's
1: got a lot of she's she thinks she's gonna have a lot of powers. Um uh you know, there was the scream, which I wrote about in in my cruise article yesterday for the bulwark, about uh you know how someone in the crowd is screaming out two thousand mules, two thousand and then Ted Cruz like nonsensically goes like, <laughs> Yeah, text <laughs> two thousand mules, and everybody's like, oh, 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 He said it, he said it. Oh, 2000 mules right and and so like this is the material that is that is firing up firing up the crowd and it goes to you know just sort of this fundamental discussion of where you know the poisoned fruit is in the party and you know it's going to tie into the other things we're we're, we're talking about
0: so i uh, i i wanted to smush together here that uh, tulsi gabbard aloha hmm. a very sensitive soul from from the great state of hawaii spirit of aloha she looked at this party this weekend with with Tommy Doberville and the the you know the stuff about black people uh and said you know what that's where I want to be and so she has left the Democratic mm. Party and is is over I guess formally or semi-formally going to align herself with uh the
1: Tommy Dobervilles
0: and Carrie Lakes of the world In-
1: interestingly in that thread talks about the Democrats' anti-white racism as one of the rais- reasons. Yeah, And,
0: uh, she really, and I'm sure she's very broken up about that. but, uh, but you know, I, I think in fairness to her, Tulsi is probably not motivated to, to switch parties because of the Tommy Tuberville part of the coalition. I think she's probably more interested in the Elon Musk part of the coalition, which is sucking up to Putin. Is that fair? because this is now literally this is the Russian, this is the republican voting coalition racists authoritarians, and putin lovers slash apologists and that's the new fusionism
2: did you guys see that victor orban tweeted like he tweeted he he got a twitter handle and t- tweeted his first tweet to say where is my friend donald trump with an emoji or like a clip Of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, Mm. you know, like, looking around, like, you've seen that Jeff, uh, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, and there's just something about that that's so wild, like, it's just an authoritarian asking why are authoritarians not allowed on Twitter, and like, that's just, like, a joke and a meme, and this is why nothing matters, like, the racism, remember when Donald Trump said that, uh, Cori Bush and AOC and they should all go back to where they came from, Mm. like... Mm. Like, like, this is this is why I think we should be shocked and horrified by this. There is no doubt in what he's saying. But it's also been a feature now. And I think that Kelsey Gabbard, like, I actually thought what you were going to say, say, you said she was, like, coming for the Elon Musk part of the coalition. I thought you were going to say she's coming for the voters. Because, like, this is where she can find a real support system, right? Like, this is where she can bask in the love of an audience that is here for her particular yes. brand of nonsense, which is basically Tucker Carlson's audience.
0: And that's... Well, yes. she's coming for for Glenn Greenwald's money. I mean, that's, that's what it is, right? She's looking at Glenn Greenwald and saying, ooh, yoink.
2: Yeah, but as best I can tell, there is right? endless boomer cash for these, like, former Democrats who are willing to uh you know say that they uh obviously disavow the democratic party for all of the reasons
1: the anti-white racism
2: right and but here's the thing right so like this is uh so we I think on this particular podcast look at the Democrats and think yeah so Tulsi Gabbard wants to be in the Republican Party because they've lost their minds. The Democrats seem to be behaving responsibly by backing Ukraine they now seem like a slightly better coalition for people like us. And this is, the co- this is a great sort that is happening, right? Like Liz Cheney wants to be on the pro-democracy side now, which is why she's endorsed a number of Democratic candidates and is opposing a bunch of Republican candidates. And Tulsi Gabbard is like, no, 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 my home is with Tucker and his audience. Those are my people. Uh, because they love Assad like I love Assad, they love dictators and Putin like I love dictators and Putin, and that's the yeah. thing we're witnessing in real time.
0: It's literal anti-Americanism. This is, I'm this is you know to, to go way back to the before times. One of the things that conservatives used to say is there was a Gene Kirkpatrick line about this, right? Uh, you know these people. Why do they hate America? You know the the left is just anti-American. This was like a big applause line on on the right, and now that's real. But it's flipped around the other side, and what it is is you have a whole bunch of conservatives who just hate America. They are on the side of Viktor Orban and not Joe Biden. They are on the side of Vladimir Putin and not the American military. Oh,
2: we're so innocent because we're so innocent.
0: What they hate is the idea of what America is now. They don't like America as it is, right? They are they
1: are against it, not into it. Yeah, and this is what ties this the Tuberville and the Tulsi and the Elon thing together, right, is just, it's really this banal kind of resentment of the American elites, right? Like, And that's re- it's really as simple as that. Like, Tulsi does not like that she did not get the love that she felt like she deserved on the Democratic debate stage, and that she does get it from Tucker. And she doesn't like, like, what you know the the you know cultural elites in America are pushing, and uh, and so she doesn't like the narrative that you know I, I'm my not my party this week is about Kanye about how contrarianism gone wrong. She doesn't like the narrative about the Ukraine Ukraine war. Right, you can't be on the side of the obvious. Uh, freedom loving people who are being invaded, right there's got to be some false flag happening there's got to be some three d chess happening, and that's the same thing as tupperville, right like it is tied into this, right the elites struggling oh, we need to be concerned about racism, right so you know they're they're flirting with reparations, so now i can i i I need to be able to talk about. The anti PC reality of the fact that it's the criminals that want reparations, right? Like the anti conventional wisdom, anti PC contrarianism is what really unites these folks. Like when you said it's fusionism, that implies that like there is this deep, you know, isolationist racist ideological bent and it's like the libertarians and the social conservatives coming together, you know, to work together in a coalition. It's not that right. As all of these people that like their whole ideology is that, uh, you know, whatever the, uh, the media conventional wisdom is, is wrong and it's bad. And I'm going to, and I'm going to go the other way.
0: And you know, I can understand that honestly, for a certain segment of America, right? If you are like 18 year old, Bill- in all boys schools. Yeah, or you know, you've been left behind by globalization or, you know, you're in an industry which has been out. What I don't get is like the country club Republicans who've decided to come along with this because for them, I don't think there is any excuse except racism.
2: Mm, right? That's the only wrong.
0: explanation is racism. I
2: actually think that's no? not right. No, no. Okay,
0: so tell me tell me what it is. If you are like, you know, a Republican doctor at the country club, <laughs> Who buys into all of this and loves Tommy Tupperville Why are you there? Right, because you're a winner, right? You you have won the economic and cultural lottery,
2: right? But you want to stay there, and you also so the this is the this is the myth of right wing populism, right? The right wing populism has a leader that acts like what the des camisados, the shirtless ones of Juan Peron, right? They talk to workers like they're on their side, but they featherbed their rich friends. They, I mean, what did what was Trump's signature? accomplishment for all of his populist talk for all of his economic it was the, the tax, tax cut, right? It was a tax break break. So like, this is this is what Republicans are there for. They don't think this is when everybody talks about being in on the joke, right? It's like, yeah, like Tucker's a sideshow. It's not real. If you even if you talk to Tucker's producers, I guarantee you they would be like this is all like a it's just a joke. It's like a big joke. And that's where the literally not seriously things comes in. And
1: Tucker is looking watching Kanye. I I had to watch this the interview this morning. And like he, he can't even contain his own like incredul incredulity, <laughs> like looking at him right. Like forget Tucker's producers, Tucker can Tucker's like, mm, mm. it's like Kanye's going on about farms. He's like factory farms and big pharma, and like little farms and big pharma. And I know how to disrupt that. And and, and then he goes on. He does and it's and, and Tucker just has to be like. Mm, yeah, that's not – he's saying what they won't let you say. You know, it's all bullshit. We also just have Sorry. a quick sidebar
2: about Kanye uh, who – uh, I like this weird thing with the Kanye stuff. Kanye's anti-Semitic rant. This is a weird thing because the Republicans have been – and I'm all the anti-antis that I follow on Twitter. They follow where the anti-Semitism is they and they will they will snuff it out right and call it out everywhere i have seen so little so little condemnation of kanye what i don't even i honestly i didn't even understand what he was saying um but like he we went after the what?
1: kushner brothers and said that they yep. only care about money so that was pretty okay. subtle and he said they were holding trump back because and they were trying to be his puppet master because they only but care about money what was the deathcon
2: 3 jews yeah
1: and then uh, and then he tweeted it uh, or then he texted and and the text to his friend uh, diddy and said to him that he needs to realize he's, he's been controlled by the jews and then he got some pushback about that and then later he tweeted that he's going to go def- death deathcon 3 on the jewish people just you know
2: okay
0: mm. in his defense i would be shocked if he did not understand that DEF CON is not the real thing. Of term. course he did it. DEFCON. I I I would I would bet anything that I own that he has always believed that <laughs> yeah. you know the DEF CON scale was actually yeah. the DEF CON scale. Uh, okay. Um so good. We got to hit all of those <laughs> points. Uh, well, which points. See, I did it for you. Did it for you there, <laughs> big
1: guy.
2: Well, you guys don't have a reaction to the Kanye anti Semitism. Why isn't this like a career render?
1: Career under with who? No, no, no. And this is what my not my party is about. I don't even understand the question. that, That phrase. Is
0: obsolete, Sarah. There is no such thing as a career ender anymore, mm. right? You just have to switch careers. This is what Tulsi. And by the way, is Tulsi's defection going to take all of the tankies over to the Republican Party with her?
1: Yeah, this was inevitable. Like, are the, are
0: the tankies and the
1: Met Taibis of the world finally oh, just going to be a Republican? It, like, They're yeah, all, I'm into Trump. Yeah, that's part of this realignment. I and mean, that's, it, yeah. this is again, and also a global thing, right? Like, it's happening with, with Greenwald and Brazil and Taibi, right? Like, this is all part, like, we're gl- Globalists, right? And as globalists who care about you know trivial little things like democracy and making sure that ju- the ju- Jewish people are protected, um, uh, you know that is now a group of people that is moving into the Democratic coalition because they actually you know want to do something and help the, help the Ukrainians and of course the tankies are moving into the republican coalition and and eventually you know the remaining anti antis that you're talking about sarah neocons are either just going to have to accept the fact that they're in a coalition with the anti-semitic uh isolationist tankies or you know the stalinists the actual Stalinists, the Stali- <laughs> or tuck their tail and join us and and in moving into parting a, a part of a broader uh, pro democracy coalition, but I, I mean that this is a big reason why. By Would the anybody
0: way. like to bet a cookie which way they go? Uh,
1: exactly, and this is why, by the way, Sarah, they are always tweeting about this because they have to obsess over Ilhan Omar and Rashida Talib and and whatever lefty crazy celebrity, I don't, I don't want to start naming names, I don't know which crazy lefty celebrity lately has said anti-Semitic stuff, but like, that's why they have to obsess about that. To- and
2: those are all bad, by the way. Right, like, they are all
1: bad. Yeah, they are bad. I mentioned uh, Elon in my episode this week, but like, but but they have to obsess about that because it, it allows them to continue to rationalize the fact that they right. are in the in the isolationist, tanky coalition now. Okay. Jamie, i one
2: one last thing. Okay, just Dale. I'm trying
1: to move on to your subject, Sarah.
2: I know, I know, I know, but Ben Shapiro is one of the people who like wants to call out anti-Semitism where he finds it. But he dispatched, you know, Candace Owens, who works at the Daily Wire, who, by the way, the fact that Ben Shapiro remains sort like has mainstream credibility while he has Candace Owens just like on staff without uh, like everybody just lets that happen. Here's what she said about Kanye's remarks. If you were an honest person, you did not think this tweet was anti-Semitic. Insane. Okay. You did not think that he wrote this tweet because he hates or wants to genocide Jewish people. This is not the beginning of a Holocaust. Well, I'm glad that Kanye is not starting a Holocaust
1: to genocide I don't is that know. the infinitive I don't form know. of genocide uh, I, I am an honest person. I don't think that Kanye wants to genocide the Jewish people necessarily, but still a, a, a rule of threes you know I think I think it's pretty clear what he is doing but yeah no Candace is fine. Uh, she's platformed by, by and, and ladies as, and gentlemen. Candace Owens,
0: your twenty forty Republican presidential nominee. Twenty
1: forty, twenty twenty eight. Sarah, in your focus groups, who gets mentioned more in your focus groups as a possible twenty twenty four candidate after Trump and DeSantis, between Candace Owens, Mike Pence, and Ted Cruz? Mike Pence or Candace Owens?
2: I said Candace <laughs> Owens. Not even close.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not even close. She gets mentioned. I I just know this because I watched one of them with you. I yeah. forget which one, and, and you asked us that question. She got mentioned out of the blue. Yeah. It wasn't like you're prompting people.
2: No, and the worst part is if, if somebody does mention her, the other people in the group go, ooh, yeah, she'd be great. Love that.
0: <laughs> and wouldn't she, though? Uh, all right. So, Sarah, on Monday night, your boy toy, Tim Ryan, had his first and only showdown with uh, J.D. Vance. And how do you think it went? Would you like to start with the, the homicide? Or do you want to work that in as we go?
2: Yeah, so I, Jim has a piece, our colleague Jim Swift has a piece in which he gives Ryan kind of like a middling grade um, because, you know, Vance, I think, overperformed expectations because he's running such a garbage campaign. And so he kind of showed up to play and like there was a lot of back and forth. But I do think in our social media world, like you do have to judge it by the follow on the next day. And the fact that that clip of Tim Ryan just like cucking JD Vance with the ass kisser remark that Donald Trump, or Donald Trump, what, you know, said, you know, this guy, he's holding a rally for JD Vance, which by the way, this is on the heels of him calling him JP Mandel <laughs> at a different rally. Uh, <laughs> and, and so he says, this guy's calling me up, kissing my ass, whatever. So he totally, so he like emasculates him in front of the crowd and then you know, calls J.D. Vance back up at some point, and he has to, like, pretend like, oh, yeah, this is just great. We're just buds. He's just embarrassing me uh, horribly right now. Tim Ryan, I thought, landed that, and that became the clip of the night. That's the one circulating. That's the one that's got millions of views on Twitter. And so I think that that probably gets him, like, a couple extra points.
0: Let's do the audio before you go into it. Sebastian, can you lay that on us? Like, just a few weeks ago in, in
3: Youngstown, on the stage, uh, Donald Trump said to... J.D. Vance, all you do is kiss my ass to get my support. He said that. That's bad because that means J.D. Vance is going to do whatever he wants. Mitch McConnell's given him $40 million, He's going to do what he wants. And Peter Thiel gave him $15 million, He's going to do what he wants. And here's the thing that's most troubling about this lack of courage is that after Trump took J.D. Vance's dignity from him on the stage in Youngstown, J.D. Vance got back up on stage and said, start shaking his hand, taking pictures, saying, hey, aren't we having a great time here tonight? I don't know anybody I grew up with, I don't know anybody I went to high school with that would allow somebody to take their dignity like that and then get back up on stage. We need leaders who have courage to take on their own party. And I've proven that, and he was called an ass kisser by the former president.
2: You know, this is part of the reason that's so good is that what's interesting is people like J.D. Vance did get pulled over the line because Trump endorsed him. Like, there's just no doubt about it. But it's funny how voters both they sort of want people to have Trump's endorsement. That helps. But there's a whole group of people who do not like it to be just about Trump's endorsement. Like, I hear this from voters all the time in focus groups were like if the only thing they have going for them, that Trump endorsed him. And like, that's not enough. Like, the idea that he is a sycophant to Trump, there are people for whom that cuts a different way, where they really don't like that. They do like people to be independent-minded. I thought they could hit Teal and his money a little bit harder. One of the things I wondered, though, was there a J.D. Vance moment that is going viral in right-wing world because he, like, owned Tim Ryan so hard?
1: I didn't uh, see any actual particular clips. I did see a lot of positive reviews. Of JD Vance? Do you mean any big truths? I mean are there any big truths going around? Yeah, I wasn't on truth, but I did see on Twitter. I, I you know, I I've suffered through uh, conservative Twitter, uh, and so yeah. I, you know, some of the folks I was following were just sort of tweeting gen- general positive views about uh, about JD Vance's performance, which I think speaks to what Jim kind of wrote about. Which why I kind of have to take a different view of Sarah on this is that like JD came across as normal. He rebutted a lot of tim ryan stuff you know he didn't kind of go down crazy he doesn't sound like herschel walker right like the bar is so low that if you're calling him an extremist <laughs> right and you're saying this and then he talks you're like actually i don't know this guy seems like kind of normal like what are they talking about that he's so far out there i think the jd vans had that going for him um uh he had a uh, he did have a retort on the the, t- the abortion issue i think the abortion issue kind of cut both ways for him uh, he weirdly endorsed Graham's fifteen week federal ban, but then said, and I think we could go even further than that, you know. Which I which I don't think is a popular view in Ohio. Uh, but he also the ten year old girl story that had gone viral, uh, that the girl had to go to Indiana to get the abortion who was raped. He turned that into an illegal immigration thing, which all the cons get get all you know start rubbing their nipples over um, because it was an illegal immigrant that did it. So I think they were pretty happy Ooh. about that clip. I don't know. I just I kind of land in the in the gym thing. Uh, the problem with the I I mean, I loved the Tim Ryan, you know, talking about how JD Vance has no dignity because JD Vance does have no dignity. That appeals to me. I was already opposing JD Vance, though, right? In a state that Donald Trump won by eight points, like, does that land with enough people? Uh, You know, I I hear what you're saying, Sarah. There's some that don't like that, but does that land with enough people to move for him? You know, I I would have the opium fraudster clip I really did like as well um, that had JD started this nonprofit that was supposedly helping the opioid crisis, but he like put a a guy from Purdue Pharma at the head of it and then didn't actually do anything I, I think that's pretty compelling and that's like kind of more compelling to me than the trump stuff but um I don't know you know I, I think that it, it's Ohio is just such a challenge um, Here's why
0: this race is so hard to call because the question is just can Vance hold on right The question is is he gonna lose just five points off of Trump's margin from from 2020? Or is he going to lose like all eight? And that's hard, right? Because the, the question isn't, is he winning the campaign or losing the campaign? He's clearly losing. The question is just, is he losing by a small enough margin that he'll be able to coast in?
2: The thing about Ohio is that I think it's Trump plus eight. I'm not sure it's entirely R plus eight. I mean, Sherrod Brown in 2018 was plus six. Tim Ryan is running a Sherrod Brown campaign. Now it's different. Brown's an incumbent. He's got really good relationships, but, like, that's what Ryan's been trying to do, and he's been – that you know, the reason that opioid clip, part of the reason it lands, that was the ad. He ran a combination of those ads over the summer that were just blanketing the state, and the state really has been ravaged by opioids. And when I was doing the focus groups, a bunch of women brought those ads up, and, like, they'd gone to look it up, and, like, they were horrified by it. Tim is right, and it's sort of where I was going. I actually think we agree that, like, the expectations, where the expectations were for both of them is that Tim Ryan's been running one of the best campaigns this cycle and J.D. Vance has been running one of the worst. And so I think we expected the two candidates to come and for Tim Ryan to really overperform and for J.D. Vance to underperform. And instead, they both performed pretty well and that J.D. Vance probably gets the edge on expectations. I'm saying that in the second day round... In terms of what, like, what the key moment was that the vast majority of people who do not sit and watch these debates will come away with is likely that clip. But Tim's making a good point about the fact that, like, a lot of a lot of these people did vote for Trump. But I think, but like I said, there's a lot of people though who voted for Sharon Brown. There's a lot of people who say that just Trump's endorsement's not enough. They want to see somebody independent. They want to see somebody who cares about Ohio, and they think JD Vance is a fraud. Well, what's this
0: race going to be decided by? Fifty thousand votes. Right, I mean, like maybe a hundred thousand. Like it's going to be a very, very small margin. So it it becomes tough because then the, we're talking about who won or lost. Like we're really talking about who won or lost with a group of like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand voters in Ohio, who we can't define because we don't know exactly who the swing voters are and whether they're swingy because maybe they're D, maybe they're R, or maybe they show up, maybe they don't, and. You know, this is where I I sort of I I take your point, Tim, that, you know, getting thirty million views on Twitter the day after isn't super indicative of of what it's going to do for him electorally.
1: I'm also concerned about the money. Uh, it does like it looks like the Democratic establishment is is leaving Ryan out to dry. I'm not seeing enough of what they're seeing in the data to to really be able to say whether I think that's a good call or not. Uh, you know, obviously they the, their biggest priority is making sure that Mitch is. Uh, I guess the one thing they agree with Carrie Lake on. You know, making sure that old bat Mitch McConnell isn't uh, the majority leader uh, again, and so uh, you know maybe in order to do that they need to ma- you know max out Raphael Warnock and Mark Kelly, and it's just not worth it as like a marginal risk kind of question. But but it is a reality that Ryan had a huge advantage over the summer, uh, and that that's been uh, that, that's been reversed in the fall.
2: Well, I think at the end of the day, the fact that Mitch McConnell's had to spend. And the outside groups have had to come in to drag JD fans. I mean, I thirty million dollars—like that—they that is money that is being pulled out by Senate leadership from the Blake Masters race, uh, from Cortez Masto, whatever. And so, like, totally agree. Ryan's going to be a winner on some of this. I think that the Democrats, in general, from a money standpoint, they are not playing for keeps in twenty-two the way they needed to be on money. Because they should be in there for Ryan because it's in reach for a state that's out of reach. And, and look, if they want to keep Ohio competitive, they should be they should be playing. But like the fact that they're getting outspent right now by outside groups like pretty heavily 100% agree. Um, and, and that the you know, the what DNC is they're begging Biden for more money right now, the D C like that's bad. That's bad. This isn't elect- a they should be fighting for their lives right now.
0: Hard agree. Uh all right. Listen, we time for us to talk about our sponsor. We had a sponsor for this show. It's Bowl and Branch. Uh would make luxury sheets and other bedding too, which is great. It's super easy to do glow-ups when the products are awesome. And they sent us all sheets. And, you know, I so I knew that Tim and I would be super into this because Tim and I like the finer things in life. We do. Sarah, you are more of a Every woman. Every woman. And uh, and so I was obsessing about the bowl and branch long staple cotton because the the truth is even more than thread count, what you care about when you talk about quality in bedding is is the quality of the cotton, right? It's all about what do they use, and they use the the top of the line long staple cotton, and it makes it so supple. But uh, Sarah, you got your sheets. Supple. What do you think? Supple. You're right.
2: I have I spend zero time thinking about my sheets. <laughs> and uh when I was looking at the sheets that were on my bed, I was like, did I have these sheets in, Did I have these in college? These like are fine. how old are these sheets? <laughs> and so like did I get them at Target? Like like I <laughs> I when I put on the Bolin Branch sheets, I was like the leveling up, like the the like the, the amount of leveling up from where I was uh is is so quantum um that uh, I, I I endorse them, but like compa- I, I I will I, whatever they're great. They're better than anything I've had uh, in my house. Uh, my my wife is going to be annoyed that I'm um, sharing uh, sharing this fact, but like I I don't know. This is it, it is it's great. It's it's a uh, it's like living. How,
1: how often are you washing your sheets?
2: Well, they get no, they get washed all the time. I just I just can't think of the last time like. You
1: purchased a new
0: pair. Yeah. So here is a here's a little secret about the one of the other reasons you like the long staple cotton is because it gets better with washing. Mm. So did you I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, you're supposed to wash sheets fresh out of the box before you put them on your bed. We did that. I purposely did not wash my bowl and branch sheets mm. right off the bat. I wanted to put them on raw and see how they felt, and then compare that with the the first and second washes, <laughs> and they just get better.
2: Guess what my guess, so, what, they're so good. guess what my most recent prior to this my most recent purchase of sheets what what the what the fabric was Tim will get it
0: linen no no oh, flannel. flannel flannel flannel
2: that's it those are my nice sheets we the flannel sheets. <So>.
0: That <laughs> you got from Target no, in were- so 2003.
1: With the fingerless gloves. It was a two for one. Sheets and gloves.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, the Bull and Branch sheets are fantastic. Uh, right. You should try the sheets that make the fall the coziest season of the year. You can get 15% off of your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code NEXTLEVEL at BullAndBranch.com. That's Bull and Branch, B O L L. A N D B R A N C H dot com. The promo code is next level. Uh, go do it. I actually am going to use my promo code this week to buy some other Bowl and Branch merch—not merch, but materials for myself. They have a—they have a th- throw blanket that looks really good. And uh, mm. so, anyway, I'm going to go spend my own money on this stuff. That's how good it is. All right, Sarah, you may want to just mute and kick back because uh. Tim
1: has a soliloquy. good
0: 40 or 50 minute soliloquy that he's been rehearsing about Ben Sass. So, uh, I'll just have the table for people. Ben Sass, the, uh, the great hope from, from Nebraska, who is decamping to Gainesville go Gators to, to you, become go Gator. maybe, go Gator. maybe him and Steve Spurrier, maybe going to become the president of the university of Florida
1: uh and Tim, did you have any thoughts? <laughs> I did, I did. Um, you know, I I did a tweet about this, and me and Sarah both got in a little bit of trouble on Twitter when it came to Ben old Ben Benjamin Sass. Uh the tweet I did was um excited for the youth of Florida who get to be molded by someone who will lecture them about the noble virtues after being unwilling to model them when tested by the moment. A little cheeky. A little maybe a hair, maybe a hair cheeky, I will admit. The response to that tweet uh, among the Team Normal uh, Republican crowd was not good. If you wrote in Edmund Burke in 2020, you thought that was a bad tweet. Uh, everyone that wrote in oh. someone in oh, 2020 yeah. was very disappointed in me. What about
0: if you wrote in La- Larry Hogan?
1: If you wrote in Larry Hogan, you'd also not like that tweet. Uh, if you were a write-in in 2020... If you like your wings with Larry Hogan and talk about how great he is... You probably didn't like the tweet. So uh our friend Jonah Goldberg, love Jonah, uh went uh, on about this for about 20 something minutes on his podcast. Um and uh included a comment that uh I was purer than now, was crazy snarky, foolish, sign I'm too deep in the bunker. And uh yeah. this the the gist of this kind of argument that he was making and others many others don't just pick on Jonah, many others on Twitter who who criticized me the National Review crowd etc uh was you know the sense that uh, those of us who, you know, are de- are demanding that the party be burnt down, you know, demanding purity, demanding everybody do exactly like Liz Cheney does, uh, has to have this invincible confidence that that's the only right way to behave uh, and that it's ridiculous to tear down somebody like Ben Sass, who, who did the right thing a few times in there and was better than 90% of the party and, and there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for it. But the, the gist is, like the gist of their argument is as best I can tell and, and you know, They can now have another podcast they want just to to correct me. But is that, like, we don't really know the best way forward with the Republican Party, right? And, like, it's not right to defame somebody that had good intentions but maybe had a different strategy. I think that Jonah is, you know, essentially arguing that essentially maybe the right decision is to stay within the party. To stay within the apparatus long enough to survive, so you can do good things, so you can reform the party. The party can't be burnt down. It's good to have two good parties. We should have people on the inside who who should reform it. Um, there's value to being a closet normal, as, as he called it. I, I obviously disagree with that. We disagree with that. But the thing that I, the thing that really annoyed me about all of this is that like. Even if you are of that view, right, that the right thing to do is stick around the party and fight for the soul of the Republican Party against these MAGAs, then, like, shouldn't you also be pissed at Ben Sass? Like, didn't Ben Sass let those people down, too? Like, if you look at what Ben Sass did for the last however many years since Trump came along, seven years. I mean, he, he was a, a, a great critic of him. I loved him. All of my friends used to snark about his book uh, and they would text me and I would defend Ben Sasse. He was like one of the few people speaking out against Trump. Then he decided he wanted to run again. He neutered himself. He got off Twitter. He decided to stop criticizing Trump. He didn't vote for the first impeachment. He did support Trump's Un- illegal unconstitutional diversion of money to build the stupid wall okay then he got trump's endorsement during his reelection run then he as far as everyone knew supported trump during trump's re-election in 2020 revealed after the election after the election this is pretty bold that he voted for mike pence <laughs> okay so then he did vote to convict trump that was good and then less than two Is that
0: better than voting for Edmund
1: Burke? Yeah, okay, yeah, uh, better or worse, I don't know. But then, now, less than two years. Mike Pence is alive. That's true, that's true. He has a chance, conceivably, to have won, uh, where Edmund Burke didn't. <laughs> now here we are, less than two years into a six-year term. He quit. So I just don't know, like, the guy that wrote a book, The Vanishing American Adult, Like, what does this guy want for that performance? Like, do you want a participation trophy? Do you want to be acknowledged that you did one or two good votes? Like, that's okay, I guess. He did some okay things. I'm willing to acknowledge that. But he's now quitting retiring to florida where we all know what he's gonna do he's gonna go sit in the ivory tower in gainesville i don't know do they make ivory in gainesville whatever sit in the sit in the redneck ivory tower in gainesville and stay above all of the everything not engage he's not going to be engaged in 2024 when trump wins again he's not going to try to primary trump like we all hope that he did he's not going to speak out against him he's not going to campaign against him he's going to do nothing he's he's quitting when he still has four years left and he's going to be replaced by somebody obviously Trumpier. So I just I, – I don't know how unless, unless you're a Trumper, you can be happy with this decision by Ben Sass unless – what you really just don't want to do is you just don't want to rock the boat, right? You just want to be above it all and not actually like engage in, in the fight that we're in right now. And if you don't think that we're in a very important fight and that it's not that big of a deal if Trump wins again in 2024 and like you know the Republican Party, like whoever replaced him is fine, then OK, then Ben Sass is doing a fine thing. But if you think that we have a real threat here, like don't you want more out of like one of the eight good people left in there besides doing one vote and not using any of his political capital to try to get other senators to vote to convict him? I like it's just an utter disappointment for somebody that just likes to lecture people about adversity and how we need to train our kids to be able to overcome adversity. Has he engaged in adversity? Did he try to overcome any adversity? No. Um Am I wrong here?
2: Sarah? No, I don't think you're wrong. I like, agree. Is there with a more you. generous view of Ben Sass than that? I think that my more generous interpretation, not quite of Sass but of the people defending Sass, are that Sass leaving the field. Like, what is left? So Ron DeSantis is... This is what my piece that's in JVL's inbox is about, right? Ron DeSantis is campaigning with Doug Mastriano, who was at January 6th, who denies the election. Glenn Youngkin is campaigning with Carrie Lake, uh, who said that she wouldn't certify the 2020 election anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist lunatic. The reason that they're defensive of him is because Sass is making the same choice that those people are, right? The, the people who are mad at you, have also made that sort of similar choice. Is like, I'm going to go find a space where we can talk about conservative ideas and philosophy, and it will be entirely disassociated with the political vessel that used to help those ideas sort of materialize practically. Those things are now separated. And so- You know, like one of the things I was thinking about Ben Sasse is like, who is AEI going to invite to conferences now? (laughs) Right. Like the thing about Ben Sasse is that he was like this.
1: Ben and Ben and Mitch thinking of a panel.
2: Uh, That's right. I mean, you know, he's the kind of guy that would get invited to things still because he was like a safe, good conservative. He had not he had he had spoken up about Trump, but he hadn't gone full Liz Cheney. And which is where most of these people are. Right. Because what what they hate about us.
0: That people read us
2: is we do something very specific.
0: Is that, is that what they hate?
2: <laughs> what, what, what we say is that what they hate is that we say that the Republican, we do a threat assessment that the Republican Party is sufficiently dangerous at this point and is not in a place to be reformed. It is actually, in fact, going the other direction. And therefore, you should vote for Democrats. Therefore, the other political party is a viable choice. Now, that is heresy to a certain crowd of, of sort of conservative thinkers who don't want to let go. And so you can un- I can understand why they're defensive of Sass, right? He's doing what they're doing, which is to take the ball, go somewhere to sort of sit and think and hope, hope that probably due to people like us who try to just deliver sustained electoral defeats to this dangerous version of the Republican Party, force it to reform itself by getting clobbered all the time. But they will not lift a hand. In service to that.
0: Well, Sass is a shield in the way that Hogan and Sununu uh, were, which is the, you know, a guy you could point to and say, see, look, I'm not part of, of that Republican Party over there with the MAGA's. I'm part of this Republican Party over here. And as these guys keep dropping, it becomes harder, like, who do you point to? Because those, those guys over there don't exist anymore. They're extinct.
2: I disagree with you taking on Larry Hogan has not done what these other guys have done. So, so
0: no, I'm saying that know, he, even, he, he is a Republican figure who no longer exists because he, he's leaving. And so you can't. But they don't really like Larry Hogan. They
2: don't. That's the thing. Like they, they think Larry Hogan is too, is too Liz Cheney, you know, like Sununu, Sununu is actively endorsing this guy, Balduck yeah. in New Hampshire. And this is what I mean about like the good Republicans, right? They are all endorsing the bad Republicans. And there's one fundamental flaw in this sort of philosophy, which is that they think that the Yunkins and the DeSantis is that they will be halfway points that drag the party back to sanity And what they realize is that all the momentum's going the other way, that Yunkin and Sununu and DeSantis are all trying – to tide coming in. That's right. They are all moving toward (laughs) the more radicalized side
1: of it. Of course they realize that. But this is my thing about Sass though, right? So why aren't they – shouldn't they be mad at him? Shouldn't they be madder at him than I am? Like I don't really care that much. I sent one tweet about Ben Sass, right? And like every – they all piled on, oh, the bulwark libs. He's so so obsessed with this. I sent a single tweet. I don't – You know, to me, Sass being replaced by somebody really isn't going to make any difference. Like it might make it might make a minor difference in 2024 if they appoint a lunatic, you know, and the the election gets thrown, the democracy gets thrown to the Senate. I guess I'd rather have Sass in there than this anonymous lunatic. But Sass isn't doing a whole lot that makes me happy day in, day out. If he is their platonic ideal of what a good Republican should be doing right now, which is adhering to constitutional principles, do it speaking out every once in a while when there's a red line, doing just enough to stay in good grace within the party so that we have a bulwark pun intended to fight from, you know, once the Trump troubles are passed. And now he's saying, "Nope, actually, I'm gonna go uh, go put on some jorts and go down to Gainesville and like talk about you know Cicero." Like, I, sh- I, shouldn't they be pissed at him? Like, I, I, that's what I—that's what I don't get. Like, why isn't it?
2: No, because they're the everybody's the same, right? Like, <laughs>
1: there's no difference, really.
2: Yeah, we're <laughs> mad at him because we know Ben Sass knows. What's happening right now? Like this is—he's an actual person who's like a constitutional scholar. Uh, he has, as you point Honestly. out, like his book uh, is about raising good citizens to be leaders. Like that is—that's the reason that the SASS thing. I—I—I I, I, I am a big fan of yeah. of Ben SASS or, or or have been, but it is precisely because we had high expectations of him that he is so disappointing and they would, they will glibly say we are disappointed because he's not shouting like Liz Cheney and the rest of us. And we're saying, yeah, kind of like he, if he understands this yeah. and he understands the needs of this moment. I mean, if he thinks that what's happening right now to the Republican party is not that big a deal. Like if, if that's how these guys feel that it's like a blip and it's not that serious and we could, then okay, fine. Our assessment has just been this whole time that actually what's happening is deeply dangerous and we felt like the coup should have been a moment in which people said you know what this is actually a real problem. But if people are,
1: I'm facing adversity. Yeah. <laughs> We're, I'm facing adversity. I'm in the Senate. They're storming. No, David, they're storming the fucking Capitol. Right, I- the whole point in this book is you got to make your kids go work with their hands and 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 suffer through deprivation so that when they face adversity as adults, they can overcome it. Well, the Capitol was stormed while he was in there, so he was facing adversity, and he's walking away from it. He did one vote. That's fine. Okay, that was a fine vote. But but there's more vote. left to be done. This guy is a good vote. It was the right vote. But there's still more left to be done. This guy is still around. And it's like, oh, what do you what do you want for him to do? Campaign for Democrats? I don't look. Look what Kinzinger did today. He endorsed some Democrats and some of these switch parties. Yeah, I I, I actually don't know if I care about that. But what (laughs) I do care about is why can't you answer the question of of who are you? Why can't we support the person running against Mark Fincham? in Arizona. Like, is that really too much of a question to ask for the closet normals to just say, to just say that in the Arizona secretaries of state race?
0: No, I'm sorry, Tim, Joe Biden did a constitutionally dubious student loan forgiveness action. And so therefore both sides are equally bad. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, There you go. You know what? This is (laughs) the New York times pitch bot had a, a funny line about this. Yeah. You know, whether it is Donald Trump saying he wanted to grab women by the pussy or Joe Biden saying that he loved his son and wished that he would get help, both sides have a problem with secret tapes, right? I mean, this is, this is I actually want to defend SAS though for like a second and a half. Is that okay? Yeah, please. Fine. I had, I did so it for years. The, uh, I I think he'll be actually a quite good university president. Sure, uh, same. I, I think he'll be quite good for the institution. Watching the students protesting Sass as he did his little town hall in Gainesville suggested to me that this is why we can't have nice things.
1: Yeah, so Because annoying. I
0: can see all sorts of, like, again, reasonable objections to Ben Sass. Just rewind the tape 15 minutes and listen to what Tim just said, right? But instead, it's like once upon a time he was against gay marriage, and his words are violence, and what? Like these are the stupidest, most brain dead objections to the guy. And uh, also, you know, like if you care about the university, Ron DeSantis down there uh, trying to throw his weight around and screw with academic freedom, I just only can only assume that DeSantis has blessed this move, which is why SASS is is there. And so this would be good if you were a member of faculty there. You would like a guy on the inside like Sass in the position of power to try to defend academic freedom and keep the campus from, you know, like knuckling under to the budding authoritarian in Tallahassee. Anyway, so I just look at this and I'm just like, this student response is why. Who cares,
1: though? Who cares? Some students protested? Some 19-year-old students protested? Who cares? Like, honestly, like, who gives a shit? Like, isn't that great? Whatever, they're engaging in political discourse, and maybe when they get a little older, they won't be so rash. At the stupidest possible level. I'm just saying that that bugs me. I looked at that, and I think this is...
0: You know, like, okay, it would be nicer to have Ben Sass in the Senate, like, you know, acting like a like a a tough guy and standing up for democracy, but he's not gonna do that. What do you want the Florida students to do?
1: Welcome, Ben Sass. Woo! I don't know. Like they should be in favor of it. either
0: they should be in favor of it, or if they're gonna object to it, they should object to it on serious grounds. That's what I want. Pick pick one. Okay. I don't even have a preference. Pick one. Support the idea of Sass as your university president. Which by the way, I'm sorry, if you're a college student, you care who the president of your college is, then your priorities are fucked up.
1: Yeah, you should be and getting this high.
0: This should have no bearing on your actual life. You should exactly you should be out there doing Molly and refusing to study for organic chemistry, as is your god given. This life. is what
2: we should be talking uh, what about do you is JBL's terrible about? position on weed. Horrific. On marijuana.
0: Horrific position. What do you mean, my terrible position on weed? Can I just tell you I was like, sure, let's all legalize it. Great. And everybody's everybody's attacking me for saying sure, go ahead, legalize it. Really have you thought said. all this all the way through? That's literally what I can I, I just said.
2: tell you. Your example of like a kid that gets gummies and then like takes them to lunch and hands them out and like this is where we're headed uh, was like it was it was one hundred percent where we're headed. Here's the it's thing: where have we you, you seen how they package them? I have, I have. Yeah. I have. Uh, they're impossible to open. Um so like they make them impossible to open.
0: The Stony Patch kids, they literally they, they send them as candy. Right.
2: Like, I do think
0: not to sound like the old lady on Facebook about the illegal immigrants giving fentanyl away, but like this is a thing you can so- Look, parents barely keep keep their guns locked away properly. You think a bunch of stoner parents are going to like keep their gummies and edibles locked away safely? No, I think
2: that's. I think you I it don't. is fair to say that it is possible that a kid would consume accidentally parents gummies if they are left around. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, the idea that I'm they saying. would the parent would accidentally pack them as a snack and send them to school. Well, if you're a pothead the kid, stoner, and then the kid would hand to them one wouldn't. by one to their friends. <laughs> I just thought that everybody, was a really.
1: Everybody have a gummy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can, can, can All kids I'm are saying, saying is, shippers, I, I, if you're going to have
0: edibles, yeah. you ought to regulate the crap out of your edibles. And it seems to me that smokable marijuana is a much, much easier thing to regulate and control use of. And, uh, if you're going to legalize it, but don't worry, you know what? Cause we will wind up legalizing weed in the dumbest and most destructive possible way. Cause that's America. We'll do it. And we'll do it. How
1: do you think I got drunk the first time? How do, you, how do you, think I, how do you think
0: I got drunk? I can the first tell you time? exactly what, you what happened. You were was? in second grade and you asked your friend, okay. uh, Timmy, to give you his water bottle and Timmy's parents had accidentally poured vodka into his <laughs> water bottle in the morning because they were so confused and it was a clear liquid but and he like- gave you his water bottle and he said, thanks Timmy and you drank Timmy's water bottle and that's how you got blotto in second grade. That
1: is extremely close to the reality, but it was just intentional. And we took the the liquor out of our parents' liquor cabinet, like every any normal sixth grader, <laughs> and then poured water back into it to try to make the levels go back up more. And then got blackout drunk and threw up all over our neighbors, like like uh, nobody, stoops. That's how I got drunk the first time. Did like, nobody ever say sixth to you, grader, Tim? So, is that any less dangerous? Did nobody than what? ever say to you oh, that, that this
0: could go on your permanent record. Did the idea of your permanent record never cross your retinas as a kid? The permanent record, the permanent record was brought up to me a lot, and I you just, just said you just you just said no. I don't care. Well,
2: sixth I grade is too young. That is, I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in the only space that is sane between the two of you, which is sixth grade is too young to be getting blackout drunk. JVL. You're overreacting to the. <laughs> not overreacting.
0: I'm just saying. Look, we're going to legalize pot. I'm just it saying. I fine. turned out fine. Turned what, out. So what,
1: So Again. If, if if as a six <laughs> if as a sixth grader, I had had a weed gummy instead of the peach schnapps,
2: yeah, you would not have thrown up. You would have fallen asleep.
1: Yeah. All right, this has been a long
0: show. Good show. I did not want to get dragged into this weed patch on the way out the door. Uh, either of you have anything else? now can we go i on? just
1: love i just i just think yeah. ben sass has been a really bold and courageous individual and anybody who thinks that i thought otherwise i just i apologize for my cheeky tweet so i just i think he's been such Look, a great adult and he's is better such than herschel walker for those kids in overcoming adversity so congratulations <laughs> to ben sass we're gonna beat that ass in the swamp next year. you know year. what
2: there are so few republicans left to defend if you have been a lifelong Republican who doesn't leave. And so, you know, when you attack one of the last, you you know, that's what's going to happen.
0: People get mad. All right, guys, thanks for being with us again. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, hit the like button and come to bulwark.com. Sign up for all of our awesome stuff. The podcast, the newsletters, the articles. You can get them all for free at bulwark.com. Tim, Sarah, see you next week.